Hello, and welcome to Spec Speak Science, the Spec Certified Podcast hosted by Senior Application Scientist Patricia Atkins. In this episode, join Spec Certiprep as we look into the chemistry of chocolate. The chocolate we consume is part of a long process heavily dependent on chemistry. From the harvest to the consumption, chemistry plays a role in how chocolate is formed, feels, smells, tastes, and is perceived. Join us today in looking at the art and chemistry of chocolate in honor of Valentine's Day. With that, here is Patricia Atkins for this installment of Spec Speak Science. Well, welcome to the chemistry of chocolate. It's a very good time of year to talk about chocolate since we're coming up on Valentine's Day and chocolate tends to be a very popular gift. And there's a reason why chocolate's popular. It's been in existence since 6000 BC. The Mayans used cocoa as currency. So if you were a Mayan, you could buy an avocado with six beads of chocolate. Or you could buy a turkey with 100 beads of chocolate. So I don't know what kind of Valentine's Day gifts they gave. Maybe they gave a turkey for Valentine's Day. Also, the Mayans would make a sacred drink from cocoa and chilies. And this was only drank by royalty and high officials and priests. It had a significant religious significance. Well, Linnaeus started classifying different botanical and biological entities. He called cocoa, cocoa, or food of the gods. It's the number one favorite candy in the world, and Americans eat over 12 pounds a year at about $55 per person per year. The British have a little bit bigger sweet tooth. They do about 16 pounds a year, and the Swiss top them all with about 21 pounds per year. And the sale of chocolate is in the tens of billions of dollars, and it increases several percent every year. Now, if you want to know how chocolate's manufactured, you start with seeds. This is the cacao, and it's fermented. The fermentation breaks down the proteins in the chocolate, and it breaks it down to amino acids. And at that point, it really does not smell or taste like chocolate. The seeds, after fermentation, are roasted. This evaporates some of the water and some of the foul-smelling or foul-tasting compounds. But more importantly, it causes this reaction between amino acids and sugars. After this roasting is done, the beans are then sorted, and the beans are, are grated and ground. What happens after grinding is you separate the, the fats and the liqueur, or the chocolate flavor, the chocolate solids. And then when you actually go to make chocolate, you combine different amounts of cocoa butter, cocoa liqueur, and other flavor ingredients to make the different types of chocolate. Dark chocolate has the highest cocoa solids, about 35% or more, and it's made out of sugar, cocoa butter, the cocoa liqueur, or the cocoa solids, and sometimes flavors like vanilla or chilies, and this will have the highest amount of a compound called theobromine. Now, if you're a pet owner, you've been advised not to give your pets chocolate, it's because of this compound, this theobromine compound, which can be fatal to, to cats and dogs. Then you also have milk chocolate. This is sugar, cocoa butter, about 20 to 30% cocoa solids or cocoa liqueur. And then, you, of course, you have, by the name, milk, milk chocolate, milk powder, or, or liquid milk and different flavors such as vanilla and other things. Now white chocolate is kind of a misnomer because it really doesn't have any cocoa solids in it. So it doesn't have any of that cocoa bean, cocoa uh, solids, that cocoa liqueur. It's mostly sugar, cocoa butter, uh, milk powder, vanilla, and some other ingredients. Now in order to get chocolate that we know of as chocolate, you have to know a little bit about physics and crystals. Because what gives it the snap, that rigidity that we think of as chocolate, is actually crystallization. 
and chocolate likes to form six different types of crystals. Molten chocolate is tempered to produce these seed crystals. Now the target form of crystal is form five. And the reason why it's a target is because it melts at about 91 degrees Fahrenheit, which is just below body temperature. So when you put a piece of chocolate in your mouth or you put a little piece of chocolate in your hand, it starts to warm up and it starts to melt. Unfortunately, form five is not the most stable form for chocolate. And probably everybody's encountered the most stable form of chocolate. It's very dense, very stable. It's form six. This is not desirable. And why it's not desirable is because we call it bloomed. So if you've ever had a piece of chocolate where it's bloomed, you get that kind of white fat bloom on the surface. It looks kind of dusky and it usually doesn't taste so great. This is because the fat is forced to the surface uh, by the crystals in this form six and it causes that white fat bloom. The chemistry of chocolate is very complex. It's a complex emulsion. And of course, we've talked about cocoa, sugar, milk flats, but there's also 800 or more different chemical compounds. You have metals, you have things called xanthines, phenols, phenylethylamine, uh, different cannabinoids, and yes, chocolate does have cannabinoids in it. Uh, you have lecithin and some other stabilizers as well. A very important group are a group of alkaloids called xanthines. And there are two very important ones in chocolate. There's caffeine, which we all know about, and then there's that theobromine. Theobromine only has about a tenth of the stimulating effect of caffeine, but it can be uh, very powerful. It gives a bitter taste to chocolate. And there's uh, about 10 times more theobromine than there is actually caffeine in chocolate. Now, theobromine is a cardiac stimulant. It dilates arteries, and too much of it can cause nausea, insom insomnia, restlessness, uh, even some mild delirium. And two ounces of, of chocolate that has a high theobromine, like a dark chocolate, can kill a small dog or, or a cat, and it can really cause a child to become sick. That's why they say often that dark chocolate is probably not the best cho choice for small children. Now, if you look at some of the typical types of chocolate that we all encounter and the amount of the theobromine in them, the highest amount you're going to find is something like a baker's chocolate that you would use in, in baking and making cookies or, or making other candies. That can have up to 600 milligrams of theobromine per serving. Then you have more gourmet chocolates, like something like a really dark chocolate with maybe 70% cacao, and that could have four to 500 milligrams per serving. A regular dark chocolate bar could be maybe a, a 180 to 300. A milk chocolate, about 30 milligrams of theobromine. And then when you get to things like chocolate milk and white chocolate and hot cocoa, you're talking very small amounts, under 100 usually milligrams per serving. Another uh, important compound in chocolate are phenols. This are often added to, you know, to promote uh, freshness so that your chocolate doesn't go rancid. So one square of milk chocolate will have a, the same amount of phenols as a glass of red wine. And everybody's heard about the phenols are very good and that's the reason why you'll drink red wine is to get some phenols. Well, if you drink uh, a glass of wine wine, you could also eat uh, a square of milk chocolate. And if you eat a, a square of dark chocolate, you get even more because dark chocolate has more phenols than the milk chocolate. Now phenols will act as an antioxidant and they can reduce your... LDL cholesterol levels as well. So you reduce the clogging of your arteries and, and the risk of heart disease with some dark chocolate. Now a very famous antioxidant phenol is resveratrol, which is found in red wine and, and also dark chocolate. 
A third important compound is something called PEA or phenylethylamine. It's similar to a, an amphetamine and it's released when you're falling in love. They call it the falling in love compound or the love drug. It raises your blood pressure, it raises your blood glucose levels, it releases endorphins in your brain, and it gives you this uplifted mood, this in love feeling, and that's why it's been nicknamed the love drug. And that's why over the years, chocolate's been known as an aphrodisiac, because it, it contains this love drug. So why can't you stop eating chocolate? Well, that's because of another whole group of compounds called the cannabinoids, which are not just for marijuana and cannabis. Cannabinoids function by uh, interacting with parts of your uh, cannabinoid system in your brain and in your body and parts of your nervous system. So there are several compounds. Uh, anadamide, which is responsible for that chocolate craving, acts sort of like THC in marijuana. And it's called the brain's natural marijuana. But it's a lot less... Uh, strong and, and a lot less addictive than the THC or a lot less effective than the THC in marijuana. You only activate a few of the cannabinoid receptors with the uh, anadamide, and you don't get that global high from chocolate that you would get from, from marijuana or from cannabis. And of course, in chocolate you have sugar. Anywhere from 10 to 30 grams of, of sugar in a 40-gram bar. And some research suggests that Increasing sugar increases serotonin and increases insulin, which gives you that sugar high. And of course, following a big insulin increase, you get a rapid decrease, you get uh, adrenaline, cortisol, and sometimes you get that sugar crash afterwards. Some of the other compounds of interest in chocolate are derived from some amino acids. Tyramine from tyrosine, it allows these uh, releases of dopamine and epinephrine and noradrenaline, and they can give you some of those high feelings. But they also cause blood vessels to expand and contract, so that's where you might get some of the headaches. Serotonin, a neurotransmitter, you get that kind of similar effect to Prozac. Lecithin, which is emulsifier, it makes the chocolate less viscous and smooth. And then you have some neutralizing and alkalizing agents like potassium carbonate. This makes uh, chocolate darker. And if you ever see something called Dutch Prost, that makes, means that they've added potassium carbonate to it to make it more flavorful. In some cases, that could be a bad thing because some potassium carbonate can actually contain lead. And there are different elements and minerals, in, including some toxic elements like arsenic, cadmium, mercury, and lead. You also have some nickel and aluminum. But you also have essential minerals, calcium, magnesium, potassium, copper, etc. So... The uh, American Environmental Safety Institute actually filed a petition. They asked the FDA to establish a federal standard for limiting lead in cadmium and cocoa products, and they wanted to limit it to 2 micrograms per kilogram. Here at Spec Certiprep, we did a study of heavy metals in various chocolates. We looked at uh, six different types of chocolates, and we examined them for the major elements and also for the toxic elements. What we did find is the darker brands had more cadmium, they had more lead. So we did have more of the toxic metals or the heavy metals in our darker chocolates. We also found that it could actually be very close to what a person should be limiting in their diet. 
So for the arsenic, it was about 1% of an adult's diet. Cadmium, about 7% of an adult's diet from a chocolate bar. Uh, mercury was about 50% from an adult's diet. And lead, about 4%. And of course, the dark chocolate had the most toxic metals, so they had the higher percent. And these were for adults. So if you think of children who are much smaller, then you could actually violate some of these heavy metal limits by giving dark chocolate to children. So how do the toxic metals get to chocolate? Well, many of the heavy metals are found in soils. Some are natural. Some are applied pesticides that have been applied over centuries or over years. And those metals are absorbed by coca plants and concentrated in the beans. Now, mercury, cadmium, and lead levels depend on soil because Central American African cocoa have been found to have a lot of cadmium, where Central American uh, cocoa has a lot higher than African cocoa of cadmium levels. Different types of fertilized and pesticides, like the Ivory Coast in Ghana, use fertilized contaminated with heavy metals. The alkylating agents I talked about before could contain lead. And then there's process contamination. The grinding can give all different metals in the grinding process. Well, I hope you've enjoyed learning about all the different chemistry of chocolate. And I hope you enjoy when you ingest your chocolate this Valentine's Day that you have some theobromine, some caffeine, some cocoa solids and cocoa powder, and you really start to think about the chemistry of your chocolate. Again, happy Valentine's Day from everyone here at Spec Prep, and we hope to hear from you again. Thank you for tuning in to Spec Speak Science. If you enjoyed this episode, you can find content similar to this, such as application notes, research studies, webinars, and more at specsertiprep.com. Please feel free to like and subscribe to Spec Speak Science wherever you find your podcasts. From all of us at Spec Prep, we thank you for tuning in and look forward to bringing you future episodes.